welcome to this week's edition for the Wise FTX podcast. This is your host, Azra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise FTX is my platform to educate the South Asian and Muslim communities about Texas and national politics. You can find us on all forms of social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our handles at WiseUpTX, or you can check out our website, www.wiseuptx.com. We are also airing our podcast on Radio Azad on Coffee Mornings with Aisha on Monday mornings. So make sure you check us out there as well. And don't forget, everyone, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. All right, folks, I have a very, very exciting segment for you all today. Uh, We have an interview with um, Congressman Keith Ellison and just a little bit of a background about him. He currently represents the 5th Congressional District of Minnesota. He is a tireless advocate and he has served as the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus and a chief deputy whip. He was a member of the DCC Leadership Board and served on the DNC Platform Drafting Committee. In Congress, he sits on the House Financial Services Committee where he is often seen fighting Republican attempts to deregulate Wall Street. With effective field campaigning, he has brought his urban and suburban district to one of the highest rates of voter turnout in the nation. He has raised millions of dollars for the DCCC, his own state party, and countless other state and local parties and candidates. As newly elected deputy chair of the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, he is excited about building a Democratic party that is focused on empowering voters in the grassroots and winning elections across the country. So our interview is with Congressman Ellison, and on Friday, this past Friday, I actually moderated an event. Um, It was an interfaith event between Imam Omar Suleiman and Congressman Keith Ellison. And while we weren't able to record the actual event, I was able to attain interviews with both of them. And so for this week's segment, we will be listening to Congressman Keith Ellison's interview, and next week's segment, we will be listening to Imam Omar Suleiman's interview with regards to um, politics and social justice and how he ties that in with his religious faith. Um, Just a a little brief overview of our interview with um, Congressman Ellison. Um, We talked about, you know, how the Trump administration is doing, what it's been like in D.C., some of the bills that have been passed, and how um, President Trump, you know, with the Muslim ban, how that's been really impacting not only just the Muslim community, but what's been happening up in D.C. as well. Um, we talked about the current tax bill. We also discussed, you know, the, the repealing of net neutrality. Um, you may have heard of that. That happened just late last week. And... Um, You know, we also talked about, you know, now that he's part of the Democratic National Committee, um, we also discussed, you know, how him and Tom Perez, who is the chair, are trying to patch up the Hillary Clinton and Bernie divide. Um, I'm sure many of you all know that it became pretty contentious um, between both parties within the Democratic Party. There were, you know, really pro-Bernie people, really pro-Hillary Clinton people, and now they're trying to find a coalition to work together so that the Democratic Party can eventually try and overcome President Trump in the next election, and I'm sure in other down-the-ballot races. So, tune in. Um, it's going to be a highly entertaining and very, very educational interview, so I hope you all are ready. Thank you, Congressman Ellison. I'm so glad you're joining us today. And if you want to say hello to my listeners. <laughs> well, listeners, 
Hello. <laughs> uh, how's your trip to Dallas been? Oh, Dallas is always awesome. I always enjoy it. Uh, talk to a lot of really, really uh, motivating people, inspiring to me. Oh, really? Yeah, so like, you know, whenever I run around the country and talk to folks, you know, I'm always inspired by people who are passionate about making the lives of all Americans better. Right. And, and I've just seen a lot, met a lot of folks like that uh, in this trip. Oh, that's awesome. Well, mm -hmm. I'm glad you found Dallas to be a very exciting place. It is. Um, I'm going to start with a couple of questions, if you wouldn't mind. Works for me. <clears throat> so over a year ago, President Trump was elected into office to the dismay of millions. Um, and, and I'm one of those millions. <laughs> I think there's many of us. Mm -hmm. um, but there were some positive steps forward, such as the first Indian American congresswoman, Pramila Jayapal, yep. Ilhan Omar, the first Somali American Muslim in the U.S. House, Kamala Harris. No, no, no. Harris. She's in the Minnesota State House. Oh, she's in the Minnesota State House. Right. Okay. Sorry about that. And uh, Kamala Harris. Yes, yeah, Senator Harris. Yeah. Yeah, she is a first Indian American senator, and Indian American and in African, -American. African American, right? Yeah. Okay. And there were several um, big people. First. Yeah, that um, broke through the glass ceiling, essentially, oh, yeah. right? Sure was. So, what was it like um, in D.C. dealing kind of with this paradox? I mean, you had a bigoted person become president of the United States, yep. but then you had all these major breakthroughs of those that got elected into Congress. Well, you know, um, life is uh, full of anomalies and paradoxes, right? I mean, uh, Pramila is one of my best allies in Congress. She's a tremendous leader. She's thoughtful. She's smart. She has tremendous moral force. She's a great public speaker. Uh, and, uh, and, and, of course, uh, uh, Ilhan Omar is, is like, I mean, I guess she's, I see her as a niece. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. I'm very close to her. She's a great friend and a political ally, and I'm so honored to be supporting her. I just, I just see that, you know, uh, that while um, many people uh, are given to despair and uh, might even be susceptible to uh, racial hatred and manipulation, right? Uh, that there are many, many more people who are always trying to advance the noblest ideals of this nation. Which and is inclusivity, which in equality. Yeah, what you said. Okay. Mm -hmm. Those things, inclusivity, equality, certainly uh, human rights for all people, um, absolutely economic prosperity and opportunity for all people, uh, environmental stewardship, uh -huh. very important. Right. Uh, and uh, so just those, those core values that just really make the United States a place that people you know, really want to be. I mean, um, our environment, I mean, our our immigration policy has been inclusive. Right. There are some countries you can be there four or five generations. You can't become a citizen. Right. But you can become a citizen as long as you're born in the U.S. or naturalized. Right. So this is part of our tremendous strength. And yet Trump stands opposed to all that. Right. Well, I mean, it was really unfortunate how that panned out, I think, for the country as a whole. Um, but I kind of want to pivot over to uh, the Democratic Party. Yeah. And you are deputy chair I of um, the DNC. Am mm -hmm. I correct? You are right. And um, so I want to ask, you know, after the, Democ the Democratic primaries, there was a pretty big divide, mm -hmm. right? And yep. I think it was really tough from both parties, like, to kind of come together between the Hillary camp and the Bernie camp. So I wanted to ask you, how are you and Tom Prez working to, you know, patch up this divide to make it a more unified party? Me and Tom work together all the time. He's okay. a friend of mine. Before Tom and I got into this race for, for uh, chair, uh, he and I worked together as allies. He was the labor secretary. I was a member of Congress. Uh -huh. And we fought together on issues of, you know, protecting people's retirement security, 
protecting people's overtime, uh, protecting, advancing people's, um, all uh, people's uh, wages from wage theft. We worked on issues all the time. So when we got into this race, uh, you'll notice there was, there was never any low blows in the debates that we had. Right. We had a lot of them. Uh-huh. Uh, we never any low blows. We always talked about the issues of what we could deliver. So mutual respect. Yeah. And, you know, he pulled it out. You know, it was a very close race. It was yes. About 50-50. Yet, right. Uh, and, and, and yet, so when he offered me, hey, man, come, be, come help me out, be the deputy. And I said, sure, because uh, we have shared values. Right. And so, you know, it's been working well. And, you know, not only did we win in Alabama, we actually increased uh, voter turnout in Alabama, right. in particular African-American turnout. Before that, we increased uh, turnout in Virginia. Northam was thought to be in a one or two point race. He ended up winning by nine points. Right. And and it ended up being, uh, uh, and, and, and we won in New Jersey and we won in cities all over the country. Uh, so, you know, um, it's been a good partnership. And, uh, you know. So it seems to be working really well. Yeah. And, and you know, we'll, you guys we'll have at, progress in Virginia, we, Alabama. And, right. And well, also, you know, the Unity Commission work is going on now. We both embrace reform. Right. We both have, have said reform is critical. Uh huh. And we've embraced it. And so, together, what type of re reform would that be? Well, what does it look like? We're going to dramatically cut the number of unpledged, unpledged delegates. Oh, okay, what interesting. Heard, what you've heard of as superdelegates. Correct. We don't, we don't want to go on the news during the primary and somebody says, well, these two nominees for the Democratic nomination are pretty even, but when you add in the superdelegates, this one goes way up on the other. Right. We don't want that. We don't want elite party elites deciding who's going to be the nominee. It should be the rank-and-file Dems who are involved. And, okay. And we're prioritizing that. And there's a number of other reforms trying to make sure that participating in a democratic primary is easier. And just there's a range of things that bring transparency and accountability. Wow, okay. Yeah, and, I, and you know, I remember the superdelegates was a pretty contentious issue when mm -hmm. it was being discussed um, right. after the primary. Sure. So I think that's really great that you guys have taken that into account and in wanting to work to fix that issue. Great guy. And, you know, actually, even though I really, really wanted to win the chair's race, you know, I was proud to see the DNC get its first uh, Latino chair. Yeah. That, that was a good thing. I that mean, was a good thing. You know, and, uh, you know, we, we have 6,000 young Latinos uh, turn 18 every day in the wow. United States. And uh, so it was good. It was a good sign. And, you know, you, you know, look, I mean, I've never, I'm not a particularly ambitious person. Uh -huh. I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. I'm not looking for the next thing. Right. That's just not how I roll. Other people can't wait to get the next thing. Right. I believe do the best you can with what you got now. Right. And and uh, and so uh, I'm the deputy chair. I'm proud to be the deputy chair, and I'm going to be fighting uh, to make it to, to advance our the DNC and make sure that the Democratic Party is the people's party. It's a party that people believe is is fighting every day to make their lives better. Wow. That's really great to know. I'm excited to see, you know, how the Democratic Party will evolve with uh, y'all's joint leadership. Yeah, well, you know, uh, with with great journalists like you <laughs> helping to I'm magnify, small. <laughs> helping to magnify what we're doing, that's uh, really helpful. Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, that's what we're looking for. Okay. Thank you for magnifying these issues. Yeah, no, of course it's. Uh, very important for the South Asian community to like learn about these issues. Well, you know, the South Asian community is a fast-growing community. We definitely are. And, and uh, you know, it may be that the African American community is the oldest minority group. The Latino community is now the biggest minority right. group. 
but the South Asian community is the fastest growing group. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is a, a important thing to keep in mind. And, you know, people from uh, South Asian backgrounds are doing great things all over this country and in politics. Like, you, like, you know, you mentioned Pramila Jayapal. You mentioned uh, Kamala Harris. We kind of share her. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but, yeah, but but also there's uh, there's Raja Krishnamurthy, Krishnamurthy. Yeah, who's from Chicago. Right. There's uh, you know there's 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 from folks. California as well. Cal oh, absolutely. Well, there's uh, Ami Berry, mm -hmm. you know who's uh, who's uh, doing great things and. You know, as you know, the South Asian community is diverse. You know, people of right. different religious backgrounds, exactly. different parts of South Asia, from Sri Lanka to India to ba Bangladesh to Pakistan to Nepal. It's diverse. But in the United States, uh, you know, people, you know, there, there is this commonality of, of, of culture. Right. And so uh, it's important for a South Asian or a political organization to be happening. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Um, so pivoting over to your work in D.C., mm -hmm. uh, Congress seems a bit crazy these days, and I'll say that as an understatement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I just want to ask your thoughts on a couple of items that are happening up in uh, Capitol Hill. Um, the current tax bill seems yep. to be kind of going crazy. That's horrible. It's going to really redistribute wealth upward. I mean, we need more working class prosperity in this country, and this is going to destroy that. All these people are going to do with this tax bill is use the extra tons of money that they're going to have as much as 1.6 trillion, uh -huh. and uh, they're going to first of all add to the national debt. Okay. Then they're going to use the extra money to give each other bonuses. Then they're going to use the extra money to merge with each other, which will lay off more workers. Oh and, wow! Yeah, and then they're going to buy political influence and further corrupt uh, Washington and every state capital in the United States. So this is a tragedy. It's not just greedy people grabbing more money. Of course, they always do that. But it's also restructuring uh, the, the, the basic core uh, values of our country away from the middle class up to the super rich. Oh, wow. That doesn't sound great at all. It sucks. And, I mean, what about the FCC repealing net neutrality yesterday? That was a huge bummer, right? Totally. I mean, you know, I tell you, man, you know, uh, just hearing Ajipai try to describe this monstrosity he was pushing um, I, I would like to just say real fast, there are many South Asians that were very upset with Ajit Pai. <laughs> Let me just say, you know, we don't blame the Asian, South Asian no, I know, for that guy. But, yeah. We don't blame you for, you know, Bobby Jindal either. Yeah. You know, we're not bragging about uh, Clarence Thomas. Yeah, very <laughs> true, know? very true. So uh, just just know that, you know, or Amarosa Madigal, and she's no... No, we don't know if she's fired or not, right? <laughs> right, well, it's all well, up well, in the air. Yeah. So, but, but here's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, um, it is totally legit for you as a young South Asian woman to be trying to organize political power. But at the end of the day, it really is about values, right? Mm -hmm. It is about what we believe. Right. This is what makes me and Pramila allies. Right. I might be African-American and she's South Asian, but we are allies. Right. Because we share a common value for the environment, for a fair economy, for civil and human rights, for everybody. Right. And values are more important than anything. Oh, and I that, definitely and, agree and, with and, you. And that's what makes you know African-Americans owe a tremendous debt to South Asian people because Gandhi inspired the civil rights movement, which right. Martin Luther King led. So, you know, we, we, we don't worry about, I mean, we understand ethnicity and culture and all that is important, but it's not more important than the values of that course. animate our lives. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, 
last but not least, a Muslim ban, right? The Muslim ban. The Supreme Court uh, has allowed the Muslim ban to continue as the way Donald Trump uh, had instated it the third time around. Am I correct? Well, you're correct. But But not on the merits of the actual Muslim ban. That still has to go through the courts. You are right about that. But still, it felt disheartening. I'm not going to lie. No, it's a punch to the stomach. No question. I mean, mean, look, uh, look, if there's any doubt that this Muslim ban is a Muslim ban, he just sent out three videos yes. inciting race, hate, and religious bigotry yes. uh, against Muslims, right? Oh, yeah. And, and there's no doubt this is a Muslim ban. He said he wanted a Muslim ban. He did a Muslim ban. And the only reason he put in North Korea and then Venezuela and Chad is so that he could try to confuse somebody about it being a Muslim ban. It is a Muslim ban. Every country, every, every country that was banned, uh, except for those three that were add-ons later, uh, was banned because they're Muslim. Right. It's not, it doesn't have nothing to do with terrorism because if you weren't going to ban somebody because of terrorism, you'd ban Saudi Arabia. Oh, yeah, of but course. They, but they got Trump Towers in Saudi Arabia, so we wouldn't ban them. Yeah. You'd ban UAE because they had some people who were part of oh, 9-11 yeah. too, but they're not banned. It, I mean, but what there, there hasn't been any um, uh, Iranian-Americans doing terror, Iranian uh, immigrate, immigrants doing terrorism in the United States. Correct. There hasn't been any, some, there have been terrorism in Somalia, but Somali-Americans... And I right. represent a lot of them. Yeah. Are incredibly peaceful and productive, good people. And Syrians. I mean, they're Syrians. just in a complete devastating position right now it's tor- in the country. It's awful. And so this is a human rights abuse. Nothing short of it. Wow. And we're going to fight it. And uh-huh. we're going to litigate against it. We're going to organize against it. And this is one reason why I say to the Muslims, don't go hide in the mosque, you know. Come on out. Get involved. Start a podcast. Go run for office. Right. Do something. Exactly. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my last question is, you are the first Muslim American elected to Congress. True. And you have overcome so many barriers to get to where you are today. What message do you have for the younger generation about how they can make an impact? Have faith. Have faith. It's not right. about you. Get, leave yourself out of it. You just keep on marching forward based on your passionate um, commitment to justice for everybody. And you will emerge through this. So... Have faith and keep going. Be persistent. Don't quit. Don't back down. And uh, leave it in the leave it leave it in the hands of the one who controls it all anyway. Yeah, that's good advice. There it is. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, you know I look forward to being on your show again sometime soon. Yeah, I would love that. All right. Thank you. All right, folks, and that was our interview with Congressman Keith Ellison. I hope you all enjoyed it and found it informative, especially talking about what's happening in Congress currently, such as the current tax bill. The GOP is supposedly supposed to vote on it um, before the year ends, which isn't very far away. Um, The Muslim ban and what his thoughts were on it, as as well as um, his thoughts and the impact of the FCC repealing the net neutrality. Um, If you want to find more information on those three topics, I highly recommend for you all to check out my website, www.wiseuptx.com, and go to the blog post hosting um, Congressman Ellison's interview, along with some of the pictures we have from the event. Um, And there are links that are hyperlinked to where you can find more information on these three topics. Um, I also hope you all learned how the DNC is working to overcome the Hillary Clinton-Bernie Sanders divide um, within the Democratic Party and how they're trying to get rid of superdelegates, trying to make primaries more open, and just making sure there's more transparency and accountability within the process. So 
I hope you all will take um, Congressman Ellison's last words um, into account about, you know, having hope and keep going forward. Um, you know, as he is the first Muslim American to be serving in Congress, um, he has broken through a lot of barriers and, you know, being the first one is always the toughest. So we really, not even just as Muslims, but, you know, now we have Indians as well and in Hindus that are also in Congress. So we really have no excuses to not try because those people, him and um, uh, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, have already broken those barriers for us. So I hope you all will take that into account and continue to be motivated in the political process. Again, 2018 is just around the corner. The new year is almost here in November. 2018 is going to be here before you know it. So 2018 is a big election. Um, it is a midterm election, so turnout isn't expected to be hot and heavy. But let's make sure that our community represents itself very, very well. All right, folks, I just want to remind you all to get educated, get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. And until next week, don't forget our interview with Imam Omar Suleiman about social justice issues and how he ties it along with his faith. All right, until next.